Yo, listen up. I've got an incredible event coming up in Bandera, Texas, Thursday, October 12th through Sunday, October 15th at Sovereignty Ranch. It's called Confluence, and it takes place during the Ring of Fire eclipse. This eclipse carries the frequency of love, harmony, connection, and balance. And let me tell you, when we all join together in community under this eclipse, we create the foundation for a massive shift. So come hang out. I'll be live podcasting with some other amazing speakers and friends like Kelly Brogan, Andrew Kaufman, Mickey Willis, Alex Zek, Amanda Vollmer, and Shiva Rose, amongst many others. So come get down with us as we shatter the illusion of authority, learn the true energetics of regenerative food, harness the healing power of holistic remedies, foundational skills, and of course, high vibes. Get your tickets and more info at confluence2023.com. And use the code STORY10 for 10% off the entry fee. And this discount is for tickets only, so it excludes glamping, camping, food packages, and so on. Again, that's confluence2023.com. And again, the date is Thursday, October 12th through Sunday, October 15th. I'll see you there. Dr. Carolyn Dean, welcome to the show. It's nice to meet you. It's good to meet you, Luke. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. I'm excited to have this chat. Uh, You're one of the go-to sources for not only myself, but I'm sure hundreds, if not thousands of other people on uh, magnesium and other things that you specialized in. So I'm being totally obsessed with magnesium for the past few years. I've always wanted to talk to you, so I'm really excited. Well, ask away. I love questions. I've done so much and learned so much over 50 years in, in this alternative medical field. I am a medical doctor, but I certainly don't want to act like one. So there's a, <laughs> there's, <laughs> so there, yeah, there's a lot of information that's stacked in my head that I'm seeing, you know, the, the younger people now going through what I went through 40 years ago. And they're acting like they're, you know, they're they're finding gold, whereas it's all in the literature. It's all in our experience. And I guess me being a clinician, you know, since 1979, I've stacked up a lot of knowledge. That's so cool. So you were you were in practice when I was nine years old. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Oh uh, the yeah. first thing I want to ask you about, though, this might be a little left field, but uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you're based in Maui. Is that still the case? Yeah, Maui. In in the very sad, sad situation we are in Maui. It, yes, I'm in Maui, and I live on the side of the island that didn't get touched. But I can tell you, Luke, every one of us has been touched in Maui. We are all one person removed from someone who's suffered, and we're all working together to to help each other in, in spite of what the, what the government is doing. I'll just show you this. It's a wristband that um, my charitable foundation created. It's called Hola Maui. It means Heal Maui. What I've done besides my dietary supplement company I've been the banker for a local organic biodynamic farm. The day after the fires, my farmer packed his truck with a thousand pounds of produce and took it over to one of the 
the farm, one of the um, survivor kitchens. And what happened after a few days is when FEMA came along, they tried to shut down the kitchens because they didn't have licenses. They tried to stop the perishable goods from coming in because they they didn't want perishable goods. It, it, the stories you hear, I guess 50% of them are true. It's horrible. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was wondering. Um, you know, we. I think most people listening would share um, <laughs> would share their many of the same news sources uh, for goings on in the world, which would uh, exclude mainstream media. I mean, I don't. I haven't watched. You know what we would call the the real news, um, which we most most of us have learned most of it's fake news by now. But when you when you go to the alternative news on Telegram channels and things like that, and more of the submersive kind of underground news, it's also very prone to sensationalism too. So it's like it's very difficult to know what's real when both sides are kind of sensational and and fear mongering. I mean, I tend to think the alternative news is going to give you more reliable accounts, especially because there are honest eyewitness accounts from people there. But um, regardless of uh, the perspective you have on what's happening on Maui, it seems like there's definitely something nefarious happening with that fire that is and not only the way it's being dealt with, but just the origins of it. there's so many pieces that just seem to my gut. And I think many other people's uh, not right and not natural. What, what's your perspective being there as a member of the community? I mean, do you, do you think there's something you know, underhanded going on, or is it just kind of bad luck and bad planning? I think we've let people rise to the highest level of stupidity in all these government positions. We've let that happen so that I think everything went wrong. And then people who, who don't let a good disaster go to waste are making the best of it. Everything went wrong. And now, you know, the vultures are swooping in. So I don't know about nefarious. I think, you know, from what I know, my, my husband's an investigative journalist. So we've been looking at the, the underpinnings of things for 50 years more. And what, what I say is there's too much stupidity for people to plan these things for them to work so incredibly well as they did to kill Lahaina. So, I mean, I, I don't like talking about it a lot because a lot of it is conjecture and theories, but you're right. We have firsthand accounts of people having to jump into the oceans from them being turned back at the barriers and it's only the people the rebels like us that went around the barriers and got away but if you see some of the pictures luke you would have people at a barrier and smoke was everywhere so which way do you turn and all those things but what i say at a certain point you know because i i do my morning two-hour walk along the ocean and people would say, you know, how are you? And we'd all say, yeah, we're sad. But I right away turned it into get the farmer to take produce over, you know, get, you know, get my charity, raising donations. We're working with Maui Strong. They've given us a grant to, to keep going. We had 
bad wind damage during the fire because there was that hurricane and it it damaged so much up country and we're you know surviving um from that so every everybody's struggling but you know they say the old cliche oh it just makes us stronger man you cannot even say those words here because people have died uh, yeah. i volunteer at um at one of the farm markets, we have a upcountry farm store now and one farm market down here where I live in Kihei Wailea. And I'm seriously getting mad at people. You know, if they complain to me about, well, you know, this tomato isn't, doesn't look whatever. This is too expensive. I, I said to one old guy, do you know people are dying and you're, you're complaining to me about a tomato? So <laughs> we're all riled up. And riled up to to do more, do better. I want to get my foundation buying more arable land. We've got, we've only got tourism. And what did the stupid people in government do? And some of the stupid Hollywood people, they said, oh, don't go to Maui. You know, it's not the right to go. Man, all we have here is tourism. We're all dying. Our farm store, you know, all the tourists have gone we, at the market. Tourists have gone. We don't have business. So everybody, come to Maui. The airline tickets are cheaper now, so you can come. And, I mean, you can have your vacation. You could come and volunteer. You can support. I mean, when I walk on the hotel walk and I see the occasional tourists, I say, thank you for coming. You know, we appreciate you coming here. That's a good point. What you're you're going to support the economy, basically. Absolutely. Well, I've created some show notes uh, that listeners can find at lukestory.com slash Carolyn. If you want to provide any links to your foundation, any of the other you know organizations that you know and trust that people can support, we'll put them in the show notes. And they'll be clickable you know, on the podcast apps and YouTube and all that stuff. Because um, I know there's some... <laughs> supposed fundraising going on by some of the celebrities there that looks a little dodgy. I, I think you're probably a more trustworthy, you know, uh, resident there based on your reputation, where if people did feel like they wanted to support, um, you could point them in the right direction. So anything you want to send me afterward, you know, I'll put in the show notes for you. And, Thanks, uh, Luke. you know, yeah, sending you guys blessings. Maui was the first island that I ever traveled to uh, in Hawaii when I was a kid. I was just looking at some photos the other day because I visited my dad for his 80th. And um, there were some photos of that trip. I must have been around seven or eight or something. And I just fell in love with it. And so, um, you know, I just, I feel terrible that so many people have been impacted. So we'll do whatever we can to support. And I'm glad you're, you're hanging in there and doing what you can to support them as well. Thank you. Um, so, so you've been in the you know, the space of practicing medicine and um, educating around alternative medicine and healing for a very long time. I'm curious from you, your perspective in terms of the timeline, when naturopaths and um, root cause-based clinicians and physicians began to be demonized. You know, these labels are thrown around um, vaccine denialist quacks, conspiracy theorists. I, I mean, these are my favorite type of doctors to interview. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if, if right. Someone's on the, you know, the dirty dozen of the FDA or whatever it is. Um, they're, they're the first ones I want to talk to. Um, what's been your experience of that, you know, as being someone who's both 
been in the establishment and also kind of working in in the fringe uh, realm, which to me, the fringe is actually just real medicine. But I'm curious, mm-hmm. you know, over the course of your long career, what, what's it been like to kind of watch the ebb and flow of these trends? Okay, Luke, what comes to mind when you ask that is think about what happened to the witches. They've always been after us. The establishment, whatever they used to do, they've been after the herbalists, the midwives. I mean, it seems it's often women who put themselves out to help others gather herbs, you know, make a tincture, create, you know, touchstones that people could use to help with their anxiety. We've been attacked forever. I went into medicine in um, the mid-70s when I was in my mid-20s so that uh, people would listen to me because I'd already been reading about uh, natural medicine, read all, I mean, there were like five health books back then, seriously. There was not a health food store in the city where I, I did my medicine that was in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, when I did my internship uh, up in Toronto at Mount Sinai, there was no naturopathic college. It had just, you know, kind of started slowly the year before my internship. So I, I just jumped in right away and did my kind of post-grad naturopathy after my medicine because I was convinced that people would benefit from lifestyle, you know, good diet, all those good things. I was seriously convinced that within 10 years, all doctors would be practicing natural medicine along with being able to prescribe a drug. That did not happen in any way, shape, or form. So we went down the rabbit hole of drugs. You know, the, even when I was in med school, the drug companies were providing us with our medical bags and and our, you know, certain lectures and whatever. And, and it was, a it was a, you know, completely paternalistic uh, situation. My, my class, there were a hundred, hundred uh, men and women. And mine was the first class that had more than 25 women. We had 33 women in our class and um, they were, they were going to reject me because I was too old, but, uh, at 25 because they wanted to they want to get kids you know straight out of two years university at age 20 or whatever and just brainwash them even back then okay so what did i do first first day of class in comes a clinician to give us an overview of what we're going to hear through the year his first slide on the overhead projector was a nude female that's how we started med school. He wanted, you know, this, this, oh, this is a male sorority. I can show nude female slides throughout the thing. I'll get a little, you know, love from the boys in the class. I was so, so mad. I didn't know anyone in the class. So I stormed off to um, a biochemistry professor who taught at the med school who was in my apartment building. And he, ha- I knew for some reason he had uh, uh, slides that he'd make- made up. I went to the drugstore. I got the first issue of Playgirl with nude males. Huh. And I had him make up a set of slides. The, the Two days later, Buddy comes back in to give us his lecture. 
and we had taken out his nude female slides and put in male slides <laughs> at the back back of the room. He had no idea. So the first slide was a nude male. The guy picked up his bag and stumbled his way out the door, and we never saw him again. That is direct action. That is not me marching or whining or, oh, my goodness, you're being mean to us. Overnight, that college changed. They took down all the nude female pictures from the the anatomy lab and the biochem lab. I mean, it just, it changed. And that's what I... I guess I'm saying that's what I've done all my life, direct action. So you were an OG rebel right from the start, <laughs> right in the beginning of med school. What was the... And, you know, I'm not a big person, so people didn't see it coming. <laughs> yeah, stealth, stealth, uh, what do they call that, Trojan horse. What I'm curious, what was the context of him showing the nude? I mean, was it even like based on anatomy or was he just trying to be funny and slip in some softcore pornography. Like, I don't understand wh- how that's that would how been- it was in Yeah, that's how it was in medical school because it was mainly a male domain. Got so it. this is how you keep the attention of the boys in the class. That- he didn't realize there were, you know, he didn't realize I was there, that's for sure. <laughs> Over the past three years, Far too many of us have gotten comfortable spending way too much time indoors. And there are a gang of problems with that. You've got the artificial light, recycled air, exposure to man-made EMFs, you name it. Well, we've already got hacks for all that stuff, and we've talked a lot about it on past episodes. But there's another issue you might not even think about. If you spend all day inside, or even if you wear rubber-soled shoes outdoors, you're almost never grounded. And this is important because the Earth has a natural negative charge that our ancestors were in sync with 24-7. The sad fact is that rubber soles block this energy that should be flowing through us and disconnect us from our source, Mother Earth. Now, of course, going barefoot is best, and I do that as much as possible. But there are times when that's just not feasible, like when you're walking on dirty roads or glyphosate-saturated grass. My grounding shoes from Rizal are the perfect solution when I'm out and about. The coolest thing is that they're grounded. They've got a copper plug that goes right through the sole of the shoe and touches the earth. They're also barefoot designed, which means you've got a wide toe box, no raised heel or arch support, and a thin, flexible sole that lets you feel the ground. Plus, they're handmade of natural fibers. They are super comfortable and stylish for almost any occasion. And that's important. If you've seen some of the minimal footwear out there, uh, they can get pretty nasty and not necessarily something you want to wear in public. To check out their selection, punch up risal.co and use the code LUKE10 to get 10% off. Risals are the perfect way to get more grounding time throughout the day without even having to think about it. So go grab yourself a pair now. Your body and the earth will thank you. That's Rizal.co, and you spell that R-H-I-Z-A-L, Rizal.co, and use the code loop 10 to get 10% off. That's so funny. Um, So another thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, it's not that often that I talk to someone that's kind of been in the field for as long as you have. In addition to just kind of how medicine and uh, practitioners of medicine have changed and some of them that have veered off the mainstream path have been vilified. What have you seen in the realm of 
the supplement industry? You know, when did you see uh, vitamin stores and health food stores start to pop up? And and I asked that because, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry now. It's largely what funds this podcast and most podcasts like mine. Um, and when I was very young, maybe five or six, my mom, I don't know, she must have had one of the five health books that you that you talked about <laughs> in 1975. And she used to give me these big handfuls of vitamins, you know, and I've asked her as an adult, you know, why did you do that? And she said, well, I just, you know, I wanted, I heard that you needed all this nutrition. And so I used to give you, you know, those vitamins. So I've been taking supplements about the time you started in college is when I was taking supplements. <laughs> um, but, you know, mm. back in the day, it was kind of just, you know, hippie types and natural type people. And you go to these little health food store and there'd be like those, those bins yeah. of oats and, you know, granola and things like that. And then a few supplements. Um, what have you seen, you know, and you have a supplement company now, what have you seen in the industry in terms of availability, quality, um, lack of quality, corporations taking over, selling snake oil? Just what's your take on kind of the history of supplements as an industry and where we are now? Right. So when I was um, up in Toronto doing my um, my internship in 1979, 78-79, there were two health food stores. So I got to know the people in the stores. And back then, oh, hmm, let's go back to Claire Laboratories, K-L-A-I-R-E. Now, Claire, she was a woman who I think she had either allergies herself or someone in the family had allergies, whatnot. So she started a like a food-based supplement, and everybody got behind her because it was so good. Now, when the health food stores started opening up, I noticed that they weren't they weren't all natural. That the synthetics came in very quickly. The drug companies said, "Oh, this is the formula for such and such. We can make that from coal tar." So that's where things right you know quite quickly started going downhill. So there's that going on. Then there's some, you know, great guys like Jeffrey Bland, who's been around forever. You know the name Jeff Bland, don't you? Oh, I've not, I've not heard of him. Um, okay. Um, Metagenics. Do you know Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think he was involved with the beginnings of Metagenics, but he's a PhD, um, well, maybe biologist or chemist. I'm sorry, I forget, but... He started coming to our first naturopathic lectures up in Toronto. And so we started just getting the buzz. And he's one of these guys that read everything. And he would shine the white light of his knowledge into your eyes. And you were just aghast. I mean, it, but it was too much. It's like too much information. And, you know, I got a bit cynical about it because he, they don't, um, the supplement industry would discover um, new research and it was usually animal research. And then they'd say, Oh, well, if it's good for the mice, it's good for us, which may be true. But then the next year you'd see a whole bunch of supplements come out based on that little bit of research. You know, there's never really been a lot of good um, supplement research and it's all mixed up because there's some natural supplements, there's some synthetics, you know, they're, they're, the whole big pharma is trying to put down supplements. Seriously, since the the non-demic, when people weren't allowed to use supplements, the supplement uh, attack articles have been rampant. 
you cannot read anything about supplements without finding out that they're terrible for you. Now, in some ways, they're not that great because they're synthetic. And in some ways, they're, they're being treated like drugs where, well, you know, we did this study on such and such and people still died. You know, it's not that great. And then you find out, well, you know, if you take vitamin D and you don't have enough magnesium to activate the vitamin D, it's not going to work. If you're, if you're trying to work with vitamin D and you don't have enough vitamin A, it's not going to work. So all the anti-vitamin D stories now are because they're not um, being matched with their cofactors. Uh, you know, my, my thing, which we'll, I mean, we'll get to, I'm sure, is that I found myself severely magnesium deficient um, when I was, I was in Manhattan doing an AIDS and chronic fatigue study back in the early 90s for Pete's sakes. My mother thought I was a missionary. So I was in New York and uh, somehow I got on local TV. I, I did the view and everything. I did the view before they had direct to consumer advertising on TV. So once that, once they started doing that, they couldn't have people on who were saying that supplements could help you. Oh. So anyway, what, what, um, what happened was Random House um, publisher, they asked me if I'd write a book on magnesium. And I said, well, you know, that's, that's hard to write something, 300 pages on one mineral. But the moment I started doing research on magnesium, I realized that my own headaches, eye twitching, neck pain, heart palpitations, leg cramps, Charlie horse, leg cramps, back pain were all related to magnesium deficiency. So for me, it was, it was one of those synchronistic things that got me into being, you know, a quote, magnesium expert, totally selfish. And after I wrote the book and all the magnesium companies used my book to sell their products. Um, I approached them with another uh, problem because as soon as I started taking any form of magnesium, I would get the laxative effect. So I was never able to saturate myself with enough magnesium. So, you know, these people who say, well, you know, you take magnesium to the point you get the laxative effect and boom, you're, you're, you're done. 50 milligrams. And I was done. So I didn't believe a word of it. So again, personal experience got me to the point where, you know, I went around to all the drug, com the supplement companies, and I said, you have to research non-lactive magnesium. That's what's keeping people from getting saturated and thinking they have other problems, disease problems, whereas really they just have magnesium deficiency. No, no, no go. So finally, I found a chemist and my, made my own. And what we did was created a stabilized ion of magnesium so that it didn't bind back up quickly with the, the chloride, you know, part of its compound or citrate or anything else. It just stayed stable as a magnesium ion in a picometer size, and it just jumped into cells. You know, people will take a picometer magnesium in their in their mouth and start feeling feeling the effects. 
because it goes directly into the cell. So, you know, we, we sort of jumped over all the problems of uh, the non-absorption of, of magnesium and it, it getting to the intestines and causing the laxative effect because it pulled water in towards itself. And for me, from not being able to take 50 milligrams, I was taking 1,200 milligrams uh, for about a year and a half, and that got rid of all my magnesium deficiency symptoms. And wow. And now, yeah, I'll hear people um, talk about, oh, you know, oh, I have a, a five magnesium compound. I have a seven magnesium compound. And, and, you know, there'll be a magnesium threonate or taurate or ortate or lactate, you know, all these different forms. And it may be the threonate part that's doing some of the, the goodness or the tor, taurine part, but you're not getting a full magnesium effect because, like I said, magnesium will bind back up so quickly that it's not in the ionized state long enough to be absorbed and to go to work. Does that uh, make sense? Yeah, it does. That's interesting. Yeah. It's one of our sponsors is a, a company called Magnesium Breakthrough and they have seven types of magnesium. I've been taking it for years. I love it. Uh, I haven't heard any complaints about the laxative effects so far, but I'm sure it is very individual. And And one thing that I think is confusing about the magnesium, you know, when you're talking about the saturation and how much you're absorbing and and maybe you have the answer to this, I, I still am not settled on a viable test. You know, there's different perspectives on if you're red blood cell test or you're doing like a hair mineral analysis test. What What's the latest on, you know, someone actually determining accurately what their magnesium levels are because I might be taking right. the, the powdered magnesium and my levels seem great and I tolerate it. I don't get the laxative effect, but someone else might be taking so much to try to catch up that they are getting the laxative effect. And meanwhile, right. I'm sure the ma vast majority of the population is deficient to some degree, um, some more than others. So what's up with the, the testing that's going on right now? What do you recommend or what do you think is accurate? Well, I'm, I, um, subscribe to the uh, ionized magnesium test and i know uh one of your interviewees um the float tank gentleman oh yeah yeah max yeah, yeah yeah that uh, he uses magnesium chloride that's the basis for my picometer magnesium he was talking about the ionized magnesium test and uh it's very true that the sear magnesium doesn't um give us any answers so uh what i just pulled up luke was um the um basic points from a study that my company did on um on absorption of magnesium so let me just uh, tell you it's in in nutrients in the journal nutrients 2020 it's volume 12 page 1245 you can take it out and read it and the title is circulating ionized magnesium as a measure of supplement bioavailability results from a pilot study to randomize the clinton oh, for a randomized clinical trial so we did a human study 
and, and this is the problem with um, with the supplement companies. We're they we're not doing enough research. We're just selling the supplements and saying, yeah, it's helping people, but you know, we're left with these big gaping holes of who is deficient and who's not. So anyway, in 2020, uh, maybe it was 2019, we started doing this study um, uh, down at Purdue. And um, it's quite incredible what we found. So uh, the first, I have about eight points here. Ionized magnesium testing is the better marker for magnesium. Uh, These are words from our um, our uh, researcher, Dr. Taylor Wallace. So ionized magnesium testing is the better marker for magnesium. Sear magnesium is bound up and not usable. Magnesium ions are available to use in the cells. Two, using a molecular size analyzer, it's called a, a Malvin Zetasizer Nano ZS, <laughs> we confirmed that the majority of the particle size of REMAG formulation is in the picometer range. The test was repeated three times. Now, they repeated it three times, Luke, because uh, Taylor didn't believe the results because he had this bottle of REMAG there. He tasted it. It tastes terrible because it's so strong, salty magnesium. And he thought there's got to be. So anyway, what this uh, molecular size analyzer does is it takes um, a clear Pyrex dish of the of the remag or the substance, shines a laser through it, and if there's particles in the liquid, it will bounce back and give a reading. So what happens with remag because it's picometer in size? the laser just went through and didn't bounce back except, you know, there was some small percentage that did. So he was pretty amazed and he did it again. The same result did it three times. He says, okay, you've got a picometer magnesium and it's stable because I mean, that bottle was probably sitting around for six months already. And uh, number three, Remag goes to the ionized magnesium state and is not bound up. Its small size allows it to be absorbed higher up in the GI tract and avoid the laxative effect. Magnesium citrate and magnesium oxide will eventually be ionized somewhat, but they revert back to a compound state immediately and therefore don't have as high an absorption efficiency. Number five, elevated ionized magnesium was measurable in the blood within two to four hours. And then I sidebar that um, Dr. Taylor Wallace said that this fluctuation with one single dose of 300 milligrams of magnesium was very important. He said he would not have anticipated mineral electrolyte levels changing with one single dose. Six, clinical investigations have demonstrated that ionized magnesium, but not sear magnesium, is depressed in a number of clinical conditions. And I won't get into them because um, part of the thing that um, supplement companies are up against right now is the FDA won't allow us to say that any supplement products can cure disease. 
if we if we have testimonials on our websites or make any comments that we can treat disease, then we're making a unsubstantiated medical claim and we'll be, I don't know what, shot in the head again. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's So anyway, then just to finish up, uh, yeah. subclinical magnesium deficiency can occur when serum magnesium levels are within the, the um, lower reference range. Therefore, serum total magnesium levels may not be sufficient for diagnosis of deficiency. See, what happens is there's this really tight range. It's like point, point, uh, 0.75 to 0.85 nanomoles per whatever. Tiny, tiny. And what happens is if the serum magnesium, the 1% of the magnesium in the blood, if that starts to get low, then the body's uh, feedback mechanisms start pulling it out of muscles and bone because the heart is going to be affected. The, the uh, electrolyte balance is going to be affected and the heart rhythm is going to be affected. And you can have a heart attack if your magnesium is too low. So the serum magnesium will always be pumped up to look normal. It's gotten to the point, or it, maybe it was always there, on a serum, uh, on a blood electrolyte panel, you know, with calcium, chloride, uh, potassium, sodium, they do not even include magnesium. So doctors aren't, you know, they don't even have magnesium on their mind. In spite of the fact that, that 80% of known metabolic functions require magnesium, 80%. I got to quickly get rid of this screen so I can see your face. Okay. Are you shocked, Luke? That I mean, well, I, I I am shocked every time I start to research magnesium more thoroughly. Uh, I'm shocked by two things. One, that how many um, factors in one's health are dependent upon it, mm-hmm. and two that this is so underreported as you indicated when you get your electrolytes tested that it's not even counted you know most of the time it's just it's crazy like so many things i find just doing this podcast and being so invested in my own health and helping to inspire and educate people to do so themselves there's there's so many things that are so broadly useful that are under recognized and underappreciated and that's why you know i was excited to talk to you because the more magnesium I take, regardless of what type it is, the better I feel. I mean, I can, I can almost intuit when I'm low on magnesium because I start to be, for example, um, more affected by EMFs, and um, you know, my sleep suffers. Obviously, that's that's pretty widely known, but it's it's just well, let it's me like jump the on you. In the room, you know, it's just right. like God. Why don't more people get this? Maybe because there's not a lot of money to be made on selling magnesium. It's not that expensive. Um, the medical establishment maybe is just too dumb or they, they, they yeah. want people to be on pharmaceuticals. It's just, it's such a simple fix for so many problems. And that's, that's why right. I find it just like nerve wracking right. to cover. Getting older is just one of those things, man. It happens to the best of us, even your humble host. I'm about to turn 53 this year. Yikes. 
Now, what if I told you there was a way to hack into the aging process and fight back against age-related decline? MitoPure from Timeline Nutrition is a breakthrough postbiotic that activates your body's natural defense against aging. This stuff is clinically shown to trigger a crucial recycling process within our cells called mitophagy that promotes healthy aging. And it's the first product to offer a precise dose of something called urolithin A, which is a compound derived from pomegranate. Ten years of research shows that it upgrades mitochondrial function, increases cellular energy, and improves muscle strength. And you can get your daily dose three different ways. MitoPure's berry powder is great for your morning smoothie, which is my favorite personally. They've also got soft gels, which are convenient for travel. And finally, their delicious vanilla protein powder combines muscle-building protein with the cellular energy of MitoPure to support strength in a brand new way. So here's what's up. Head over to TimelineNutrition.com Luke. Punch in code LUKE10 to get 10% off any 2, 4, or 12-month MitoPure plan. Again, use promo code LUKE10 for 10% off any 2, 4, or 12-month MitoPure plan at TimelineNutrition.com Luke. Right. Okay. Five things right there that you said. <laughs> uh, we're going to look at EMFs and then the, this business about doctors. Let's do doctors first. Okay. Because we didn't learn word one about um, vitamins and minerals and fatty acids in med school, doctors think it's not important. And they think of diet, oh, send the person out to a dietitian who just follows the you know, food guide or whatever. It is horrifying that that it is being ignored. With EMFs, apparently uh, one of the reasons why EMFs affect people is because they allow calcium to enter the cells unopposed. And what allows calcium to go in and out of cells is magnesium. Magnesium is the gatekeeper of calcium ion channels. That's how the whole system works. When you want an action potential in a muscle or a nerve impulse, your your cells allow an opening or magnesium allows the opening. Calcium goes in, does the work, and gets pulled back out. If if your magnesium is deficient, then those cells cell channels are kind of, you know, loosey-goosey, and they can allow too much calcium in. And that means an unobstructed firing to the point of cell death. So magnesium is going to help keep keep those cells tight. Now Matt is uh, Matt Blackburn. He's big on vitamin C for EMFs too. Yeah, yeah, makes makes sense. I I when I heard him talking about that, I I take the Mitolite vitamin C like crazy all day every day, and um, just because of that. And I live in a very low EMF environment uh, because I've designed it that way. But it, it makes sense with the magnesium, uh, as you described with the calcium gated voltage channels, I think they're called, right? You, can, I mean, you can kind of picture how that works, right? Because the antagonist to calcium is magnesium and vice versa. There's a, a natural balance there. And with the vitamin right. C, it makes sense because of the oxidative stress that's caused by EMF and you're taking you know, a really mm-hmm. potent antioxidant in vitamin C. But I wanted to mention something else. I noticed early in the call you have these um, wireless earbuds in. And I'm like, 
as you as we started getting into EMF, I'm like, she must be really high in magnesium for those not to give her a headache or ruin her cognitive. Right, function. right. So there, there must yeah. be something to the magnesium thing because you seem to be very, very alert and aware and uh, you know articulate. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> in my seventies, in my seventies, yeah. um, you yeah. know. So t- t- I want to go back to the the magnesium testing, though, for people that are listening, because I'm not sure that it's totally clear. What test you think is the most viable? If you could name that again, so I can put it in the show notes. And then, where would people, you know, find a practitioner, or are there websites that you're aware of where you can send in a blood sample to get it tested, or right. you know, and so on? It's probably the RBC test, uh, red blood cell magnesium test. You can get a baseline and then start taking magnesium three to six months later, do another test and see if you're improving. I think that range is something like 4.2 to 6.5. And, you know, within the past 10 years, uh, it was 4.2, 4.5 at the low end. It went down to 3.2 because the population is getting more and more deficient. Oh, that's crazy. So these these blood ranges are based on the sick population that walks in the door and gets their blood done. And everything is just on that, that old bell curve. And what I tell people is, you know, we like the ionized magnesium test, but there's only a couple hundred labs in the whole country that are doing it, the research labs and some intensive care. But hopefully with the research, we're doing a bicyclist study right now as well and with using ionized uh, testing. And hopefully if we can get the athletes on board to do ionized magnesium testing, we'll, we'll have something going. But um, the RBCs, check this out. Red blood cells do not have mitochondria. So most of the, I think most of the magnesium in cells is floating around the mitochondria because in the glycolysis cycle, you need about six, six of the eight steps require magnesium. In the Krebs cycle, another few steps require magnesium. So there's, there's thousands of um, mitochondria in the cells, but none in the red blood cells. So how can that even be a measure of magnesium? So it, it's all kind of messed up. But like I said, get a baseline, take your magnesium, and try to get to the high, high end. And uh, here's something. Oh, and as for where to get it, we used to send people to request a test. It's an online company request oh, yeah. yeah you know actually i think that's where i got my last one it was i was working with morley robbins and i did the full monty panel and i think we in one of the options was to include the red blood cell magnesium test yeah and I, my mine thankfully was pretty high at least you know based on the metrics of that test although i find it really depressing that they're they're lowering the standards based on the population being so deficient that's you, you, there should be testing where it's like this is the optimal superhuman level, and then here's your average American. Level. I know that's where, what, where that's what we want. Yeah, yeah. And the other um, uh, group we got involved with was grassrootshealth.org, and this was this is Carol Baggerly. She had breast cancer, did all the conventional stuff, and she's a. Mm, She's some sort of in- engineer. And after it all, you know, settled down, she looked at 
at her lab file and found out her vitamin D was rock bottom. So she went heavily into vitamin D research and found this and that and the other. And at, at a certain point, Dr. Mercola said, well, you should get in touch with Carolyn Dean to know the magnesium association with, with vitamin D. So uh, Grassroots Health uh, does a panel for us, uh, RBC Magnesium. I think they, they do a total serum plus RBC. So they try to do it all. And they do um, omega-3, omega-6 ratio, which is very important. And um, a vitamin, the vitamin D, of course. And we were getting them to do a TSH just to see how people's thyroids were. Because with what I call total body meltdown that so many people have these days, their thyroids are really under attack. And maybe a lot... A lot of the attack, and because it is high in uh, hypothyroidism, is high in women. It's because of births. The, you know, a, a pregnancy will will drain your thyroid, and also yeast overgrowth. My big two things in the world are magnesium deficiency and yeast overgrowth. And yeast toxins cross react with with the thyroid, and and when the the immune system attacks the yeast toxins, then the thyroid can get hit. So, and that can lead to autoimmune symptoms. I mean, that's what we're seeing. Um, there's a Dr. Ari Vujdani who did that research. And when I was in Toronto in my private practice, I set up um, a lab doing uh, antibody tests for yeast and for food allergies. And I seriously found that the people could answer a questionnaire about their yeast overgrowth and it would be more accurate than an antibody test because everybody has yeast. Yeast has a function in the body of, of chewing up dead things, you know, like fungus and mold in the, in the forest. You need those organisms to, to chew up the wood or else we'd be piled sky high. Well, yeast will do that in the intestines. It chews up the dead things that we don't chew. <laughs> so those two, yeast overgrowth is huge. The use of antibiotics, the use of steroids, stress that increases our own cortisol levels. So many things that the fluoride and chlorine in the water. Okay, so there, you know, those two things. I mentioned fluorine, sidebar. Did you know that the most common drugs that, that are prescribed are fluoride drugs? I've like heard Cipro, Flonase, um, inhaled anesthetics in surgery. So what happens with these drugs in the gut is that the intestinal bacteria, whose job is to break down chemicals, breaks down the drugs, releases the fluorine atom, and magnesium is very reactive. So magnesium and the fluorine atom will combine and make a magnesium fluoride combi um, combined mineral, what's it called? Selenate. And that's a brittle substance that deposits in tendons and ligaments and maybe joints. What is the black box warning on Cipro, a major fluoride antibiotic? Tendon rupture. Wow, that's crazy. 
Uh, it's interesting Terrible. that you bring up the, the yeast overgrowth. When I got into uh, detoxing and natural healing in the mid-90s, uh, you know, I'm sure you, you've been around longer than I have, but you see these kind of trends come and go in cycles, right? The things everyone's into, it was colon hydrotherapy was really big in the 90s too, and infrared saunas kind of hit the scene and various things like that, making your own kombucha. But one of the things that was most prevalent in the alternative health scene was candida. Everyone has candida and there's all these special candida diets and yeast overgrowth and every practitioner is checking your tongue to see if you have that white film on your tongue. And it was like this big scare. And, you know, I, I'm sure that I, you know, probably was on oregano oil or different things just to make sure I didn't have it. But then, then it kind of disappeared from the mainstream and other things took over and became popular. And you're one of the first people that I'm aware of that's kind of kept on the public awareness around yeast overgrowth. Um, so I'm assuming from your perspective, this, it wasn't just a trend everyone got excited about in the nineties and then forgot about this is an ongoing issue for many people. Yeah. What happened? It, it was not treatable. It just, it just, what, what are you going to do? Avoid eating anything. I mean, I was on a strict candy to diet. I, I would smell foods that I couldn't eat. I mean, it was ridiculous how strict you had to be. And the drugs, Diflucan, the drug company came to me in my office up in Toronto and, oh, we hear you're treating yeast. You know, will you do a trial with Diflucan? We'll pay you a lot of money. You look up Diflucan, it's a fluoride drug. Oh, man. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, uh, people forgot about it because it, it was too hard to treat. and. Um, and what happened right around then, Luke, is the SIBO came along, small intestinal uh, bacterial overgrowth. That's oh, we can we can treat this. <laughs> we give antibiotics, but the whole microbiome thing came came along at that time. Oh, let's focus on the microbiome. And when you read about that stuff, no mention of yeast. But yeast, it, it's definitely still there. Actually, what we find is when um, when people take um, a fair amount of magnesium to get themselves saturated, at a certain point, they start experiencing yeast die-off. You know, they'll say, oh, my tongue is coated. I've got gas and bloating. I thought it was doing so well. What's going on? Their immune system is actually finally waking up under the auspices of magnesium, and they're starting to dump yeast. And then that's where you do your soy-based um, probiotics and you do silver and uh, Saccharomyces um, Berlardi, for example. So real simple treatment, but with the underlying basis of your magnesium. Now I'm going to say magnesium is important, like for 80% of no metabolic functions, but, but there's also everything else. And what is it going to say? Oh, let me sidebar back to yeast. You know, when when you have yeast overgrowth, then then you're susceptible to parasites. Then you're susceptible to viruses. You're susceptible to bacteria as well. Um, when I was in in my, um, I guess my third year medicine, doing hospital work, I started to get nasal staphylococcal boils little tiny boils in my nose that were just so painful. And it was when my yeast was more active. So I put it together back then. 
when I was doing the um, AIDS research in New York, every one of our AIDS and chronic fatigue patients had had markers for every infection. It was just across the board. So even Lyme disease. So you can't go picking and choosing, oh, let's treat this one and let's, you know, what what made it so much easier was having a universal approach using silver. And I'm not going to name a product because I'm not going to say our products treat disease. But we have solutions. And, you know, when it makes me think of um, uh, thyroid and adrenal, when alternative uh, medical doctors, practitioners say, well, you know, we can't treat your thyroid until we treat your adrenals or vice versa. Or, you know, your gut is so messed up. We we have to detox you. We have to purge you before you uh, take anything in because you won't be able to absorb it. The body doesn't work like that. The body has its own priority and you just give it the building block and it will start by priority dealing with what needs to be dealt with. So after I worked on magnesium, I worked on a multiple mineral and come to find out that there are nine minerals that make thyroid hormones, nine minerals, not just iodine. It's, it's not iodine and selenium. It's iodine, selenium, boron, chromium, copper, what else? Magnesium calcium there it's amazing how when you get those minerals in a stabilized ionic form then you can make your own thyroid hormones and like i did you can get off your armor thyroid and your fingers are warm again and sidebar to copper bioavailable copper is so important i mean um was it carl pfeiffer back in the 80s i guess he scared the pants off everybody about copper toxicity and that caused a whole copper deficiency problem in the in the health population because people didn't have um didn't think they should take any copper i have um a huge um community in the amish and they're very concerned about copper but when they realized that they could take a stabilized ion of copper at a low potency, then we're getting... Let's take a minute here as I would love to share my latest discovery with you Lifestylist listeners. As soon as I tried this product, I became instantly obsessed and it's now officially a non-negotiable ingredient in my morning smoothie and sometimes even coffee. First time I tried it, I felt focused, uh, my mind was clear, and it continues to improve my mental performance on the daily. I actually had some in my smoothie this morning and will likely do another scoop in some water for my afternoon work block to keep this brain pumping. You're probably hip to the superpowers of mushroom extracts and collagen protein. Well, the product I'm talking about here contains the most hyper-concentrated forms of four of the best brain-boosting mushrooms, so that's lion's mane, chaga, cordyceps, and reishi, plus collagen protein and Peruvian cacao. This magic in a jar, my friends, is called Collagenius, and I love that it turns your brain on without any jitters or crash whatsoever. It's super clean brain energy. 
So if you're getting beat down with the old brain fog, have difficulty focusing, and want to repair your brain in the most natural way, you definitely want to check this stuff out. Here's what you do. Go to newtopia.com slash lukegenius and use the code LUKE10 at checkout and save 10%. That's N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A, newtopia.com slash lukegenius. And check this out. Newtopia, the company that makes College Genius, is so confident that you'll love this product that they offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. So uh, there's no risk for you here to check this out. Again, your link is newtopia.com slash lukegenius and the code is Luke 10 Do it now, you guys. Your brain will thank you. I'm so glad you brought up copper because I feel like it's... Uh, Kind of like so many of the things we've been talking about, it's the unsung hero and it's so crucial. And going back to, you know, the good old days that we all fantasize about where we would have gotten all of our magnesium and all of our minerals, including copper from soil that wasn't depleted and the plants and animals that came from that soil. Um, a lot of people I know, myself included, have tried to raise copper levels by just eating a, a crap load of uh, grass-fed liver. You know, and it's like, I but mean- But then you get too much iron. Then you get too much iron. You yeah, can't do that. It's, and can't. let's face it. I mean, you have to be a very unique type of person to enjoy eating liver. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm always kind of looking around for sources of copper that are, that are viable. Uh, and that brings me to, you know, I haven't tried your products yet. It's funny, usually when I interview people like, it's because I found their products and then I, I am a fan and then I want to learn about them. But when I was looking at your site, um, one that really looked cool to me was the multi-mineral one. Uh, is that one the Remite? Is that? That's correct. That's the one I just talked about. 12 yeah. multiple minerals, nine of them hit the thyroid. I'm, I'm getting that. I'm on it. And uh, your team also, I want to mention, uh, I talked about the show notes before being lukestory.com slash Carolyn, uh, but your team gave the audience a discount, which I appreciate. Uh, it's 10% and the code is Luke. And you'll find that you listeners at lukestory.com slash RNA reset. And I'll be using that myself when we are done tonight because I'm gonna, I want to get some of that multi-mineral and try some of the remag too. Uh, and you're, you're, you're by nature, you're just not a very salesy person, and I, you know, I appreciate that. I find it respectable when people aren't just all about making money. But it seems like you have some really interesting stuff going here, and it makes sense to me the way you describe the bioavailability of minerals in general, not just magnesium, but all of them. I mean, it's difficult to source them, and it's difficult to get them in a form that can actually penetrate the cell, right? Otherwise, you're just you're taking some powdered pill that is ultimately very expensive urine at the end of the day. You know? So I'm, I'm really interested. I'm interested to try those. But I want to go back to um, the candida piece and the, the yeast overgrowth. You know, as I said, it kind of, you know, came in vogue as an issue and then went out. And then I like your approach that it's more about the overall terrain that we're not we're not playing whack-a-mole, trying to be sniper. We're just doing shotgun and get get the body's vitality up mm -hmm. so that it knows what yeah. to do to heal itself when you give it the right resources. Mm -hmm. um, but I right. do want to ask, yeah. you know, what what do you think is the best if someone you know is suspects that they're having a yeast overgrowth issue? Um, are the antibody tests for for yeast for the reaction to yeast still the gold standard, or are there other tests that you think are viable now if someone wanted to check that out? 
I don't, well, I'm not big on testing, Luke, okay. for the reasons we've already talked about. You're on a bell curve with sick people. Okay. You know, when I did my hair test with Morley years ago, he said, well, I don't know how to deal with all your, uh, your ratios because you're so high in magnesium, it throws everything off. So uh, it's like, <laughs> you know, you have he to must be have been excited the, though. Cause he's, he loves magnesium. He must've been like, wow, <laughs> you're the highest test I've seen. Cause you've been on it for 40 years or whatever. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, well, Morley, Morley is great. You know, he, he's very respectful. He always acknowledges that it was my book that got him into this business, but he never stuck around. He never stuck around long enough to learn about the, the way a stabilized magnesium can really help everything. Even a, a lot of the things he talks about, if you use your you know, magnesium saturation, you don't have the, the stress cortisols that deplete your ceruloplasm. You, you have so many things that you don't then have to go whacking like a mole if you're saturated. So he went off and did his thing, but you know, he's, he's um, this incredible researcher and he gives a lot of information out. Sometimes it's too much. And sometimes, you know, avoiding like, you know, you, you shouldn't avoid vitamin D, you shouldn't avoid vitamin C. So these things, especially during the non-demic to tell people, you know, don't take uh, your vitamins that anyway, uh, yeast toxins, like I said, they're, they, they've been forgotten. It is the terrain, but the toxin part has been totally overlooked. There's 78 different yeast toxins. And one of them is acetaldehyde. And you get that from smoking and car exhaust. And another is just kind of a plain alcohol. So your body gets stoned and drugged, and that's the brain fog that you get with candida overgrowth. And I think maybe some of those symptoms got people dismissed because they they just look like anxious, you know, worried hypochondriacs. And, you know, that that got put aside anyway. And the same, I think, can be said for chronic fatigue syndrome, which is now the, the new long COVID. It's just chronic fatigue syndrome. I mean, the, the spike protein is doing some damage. And, you know, there are things we can do for that as well. But um, I think the long COVID people have to look at yeast overgrowth because they took a lot of medications when they had COVID that can cause yeast. And they have to look at all the mineral deficiencies that were caused. Anyway, it's, back to you, Luke. It's, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I think we're probably going to see a lot of people becoming deathly ill and in some cases ceasing to exist under the guise of long COVID when it's probably the medication they took <laughs> to, to get rid of it. Not to laugh <laughs> right. at people's misfortune, but the whole thing is just like mind boggling. But to, to yeah. try and get a little bit of a, a, a summary of, of your perspective, um, and I think one of the reasons that I was really excited to talk to you, not only about, about magnesium, but I think that because minerals in general are just not very sexy. They're they're not, you know, I mean, there's all these cool things. There's shilajit, which is great for minerals. Um, 
I'm thinking of, you know, things for your mitochondria, NAD. I've got like an NAD patch on right now. I mean, there's things that you can really feel, right? Like I put the NAD patch on this morning because for whatever reason, I got really crappy sleep last night and I have so much energy. I don't even know what to do with it. I got 500 milligrams of NAD running through my system. So there's like, there's kind of the sexy biohacking stuff that you really feel and notice, but I feel like minerals are the foundational you know, the fuel for the engine of our vitality. And they're just kind of missed because they're, they're sort of, I think, generally dismissed as sort of basic and fundamental and not that exciting. And they're, they're relatively affordable. Um, do, do you think that, you know, as a starting point, if someone is in, in ill health or wants to optimize their health, that maybe before anything that really uploading all of their mineral levels is a good place to start just in terms of the terrain and giving the body the raw materials it needs to start to heal? Would that, would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, you can make a case for magne- uh, for the minerals. You can write out all the good things about them and say the wonderful things they do. Then you go to a store and you buy some sort of mineral compound and you absorb 4% of it. The, you know, so people just don't keep taking things that, that aren't helping them, except, I mean, I've done it. You know, I went, I went through the decades of just swallowing dozens of pills. Now, you know, I take a, like 10 twice a day, this and that, and, and my mineral drink. So minerals, yeah, they, they are the building blocks. And if you can get them, in the stabilized ionic state, you know they're fully absorbed. And as we're able to do more studies, the, the non-demic stopped uh, the university research. But as we continue to do studies, we'll show the absorption of these um, picometer-sized minerals that they get into the cells. You're not just buying what we call dirt minerals and expecting them to do something. I mean, even even with the, the farm that I'm working with, I've tried to eat just farm food to see if I got everything I needed. And no, my heart palpitations came back. My leg cramps came back. And I can't be a vegetarian. I, I almost, you know, that, well, I did get pneumonia when I tried a, a strict macrobiotic diet. I did. I had so, I didn't have enough protein to keep my fluid balance. So I built up food in my lungs. I mean, there I was with my stethoscope listening to my, my chest rattle. And seriously, I ate some chicken and my chest cleared because I, I got my, the protein I needed. So wow. people do have to be careful. I'm, one of my foster kids, she's in her 50s now, but she tried a strict vegan diet for about 20 years. And she finally stopped it when her teeth started falling out. That's what I happened mean, to me. Is, yeah, I was a vegetarian oh. for many years and and my teeth it's it's so funny because prior to that and I'll you know I'll just be forthcoming with you I already have to the audience that listens to the show but I I had a lot of problems with addiction when I was a kid. I mean starting really young I did a lot of street drugs for a very long time. Made it out alive. 26 years sober, lived to tell the tale. But what's funny is at the end of my years of doing all these drugs my teeth were perfect. <laughs> they, I, I don't know. I guess like I listened to my mom when I was a kid. She said, brush your teeth, you know, twice. A day. I guess I brushed well. I don't know how I survived, but my teeth were fine. Never had any cavities, nothing. And then when I got sober, I was, I really wanted to detox and get healthy. And back then being a vegetarian was really trendy. This is like the mid nineties. 
So I became a vegetarian for many years. And a few years into being a vegetarian, I thought I was doing the right thing for my body and also the welfare of animals. There was no understanding then of the difference between a regenerative farm and animal cruelty versus you know factory farms. And I didn't want to harm animals. It's a whole thing. But anyway, a few years into being a vegetarian, all my teeth rotted out of my head. <laughs> you know, I was just like, I mean, I started getting all these cavities, chipped teeth. My teeth started falling apart. And that's why I have such a beautiful smile here today because these are all porcelain teeth because eventually, even though I went back on animals, I did too much damage uh, in the vegetarian years. Wow. I, I just, wow. did, you know, I didn't have the vitamin A, was getting no retinol, mm -hmm. you know, not mm -hmm. getting uh, bioavailable minerals, obviously the protein that you mentioned. And it was... It was one of the biggest mistakes I've made in terms of, you know, my health and my diet. And I, I really paid the price for it. It was a, it was a bummer. Yeah, it's, it's very disheartening. When, when you think of the statistics that only 4% of the American population is vegan or vegetarian, 4%, yet somehow they're driving us all to think that you have to be a, a vegan vegetarian to be healthy or to save the planet or all this incredible brainwashing has harmed a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. It has. It's unfortunate. I mean, I always encourage people to do what they want. I'm never going to shame anyone for the kind of food they eat. And I definitely encourage people to disidentify their personality from what foods they choose to eat. <laughs> There's a huge egoic trap and I'm a vegan, I'm a carnivore. It's like, let all that go. You're a, you're a soul in a human body having a human experience, you know, but, um, Apart from that, uh, I, I have over the years been approached by many people who are on a plant-based diet who said, man, I'm dying over here. What should I do? And I said, all right, first thing, get on bone broth, right? That's like an easy gateway in, especially if it's the ethics that are bothering you because animals that are made into bone broth would have been killed for their muscle meat anyway. And so you're actually doing them a favor by using the whole animal, you know? So there's your ethics yeah. problem. But uh, yeah, That's why we pray over our food. We bless the animals who gave their lives for us. I mean, I, I consider myself a little more important than an animal. I'm not going to let it it live a great life while I suffer. Yeah. Did, did that come across too rude? Well, I mean, no, it's, it's <laughs> and your And I truth. don't care. <laughs> it's, it's your truth, you know. I mean, you're doing great. Like I said, you're full of energy, vitality. You're running a company. You're doing a, uh, where are we at, hour and 10-minute podcast, staying on point. So... Obviously, whatever you're doing is working for you. And, you know, like I said, I encourage people to do whatever they want, but there, there is um, a definite push in recent years of propaganda to discourage people from eating animal products. And uh, it's, so, it's so misguided. I've interviewed so many people that are um, pioneers in regenerative agriculture, you know, so when you talk about the climate, I mean, it just, the, the story does not hold up. If you had... I mean, think about like when we had 70 million bison across the United States, right? And it was all like a grassland and now we have an arid desert because they killed them all. I mean, it's like the animals actually are great for the environment when they're not factory farmed and abused. So there's, you know, it's a, it's a much bigger picture, I think, than many people realize. Um, there are different ways to raise animals and different ways to make the animal products healthier and to have less suffering in the process of raising those animals. So it's, it's nuanced, but I definitely share your position, man. It's, it's, if it's going to be me or them, I got to be healthy. I have, I got work to do here. I, I can't wither away like I did when I was a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. um, Let me, I, yeah, go ahead. 
mentioned um, your NADH patch. See what what I see about um, that to me that's like medicinal. Um, I think of cold plunging as kind of medicinal. Even hot saunas is kind of medicinal. This medicinal. You're shocking your body into a reaction that you like, and it measures it measures great. It's like, oh look, my HGH is up, and this is up. But what you're doing to create that result is burning up a lot of your nutrients and you're not replacing them. And so people will get a, you know, they'll get a hit and then they, they, what happens is then they come to us. They say, oh, I tried this. I tried that. Now I'm crashing. I tried the 50, 50 milligrams of iodine and now I, I can't take the, you know, I tried this. And so I get the, I get the people who tried these things and then they come for just a balance let's just take a little bit of everything that's going to be really well absorbed and bit by bit you'll get yourself back i don't even believe in you know the the detoxing i i mean i've gotten addicted to coffee enemas for pete's sake in my time you know just and did the kalima boards i've done it all yeah the kalima boards i used to have one of those that's so funny (laughs) yeah actually it's funny Speaking of Hawaii, uh, back, you reminded me of so many things, I think, because we're just going back in the history of natural healing. Uh, there's a place, it probably still exists, called Angel Farms on the Big Island. And I went there in uh, the late 90s. This lovely woman, Cindy, uh, ran it. And they had all these kind of industrial Kalima board setups, uh, these you know um, gravity-fed colonics, and they'd put herbs and ozone and everything. And you would go in there for two or three hours every day for like 14 days and do these colonics. <laughs> and, and people had like crazy tapeworms coming out and they would, they would keep the water in the tub and then go poke around with the stick and show you what came out. No worms came out of me, but um, yeah, you just, <laughs> you just reminded me of the Kalima boards. And so then I got one and had it in my apartment and oh God, yeah. I've got a hot tip here for affordable sauna therapy. You heard it right. Check this out. If you want to burn more calories just sitting on your ass, detoxify your body, ease stress, and unwind, then listen up, my friends. Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life big time. From blue light glasses and red light therapy to EMF management and circadian-friendly lighting, Bond Charge products help you naturally address the issues of our modern-day way of life effortlessly and with maximum impact. And my favorite new product from Bond Charge is their infrared sauna blanket. Now, I love this thing because it's portable and much more budget-friendly than a traditional sauna. Because I get messages somewhat frequently from listeners struggling to afford many of the exotic, high-tech modalities we discuss here on the show. Well, if that's you, this is definitely a great option. The sauna blanket raises your heart rate to that of physical exercise, so it actually burns calories while you relax. You can burn up to 600 calories in just one session. It's nuts. And of course, sweating also helps flush out heavy metals and other toxins, which are so prevalent in our modern world. I love the sauna blanket for road trips and quick sweat sessions at home. It heats up really fast and your head sticks out so your head doesn't get hot, so you just sweat like crazy very quickly. Plus, it's extremely low EMF, which is something I'm always looking for. If you're ready to grab one of these Bond Charge sauna blankets, here's what you do. 
Go to bondcharge.com and use the coupon code LIFESTYLIST to save yourself a cool 15%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E, bondcharge.com. And again, that code is LIFESTYLIST. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I went through all that, you know, taking dozens of supplements and it was not until I got my minerals in balance. And even, even when I found out that my vitamin D level was 19 and it should be 60 optimum 60, I didn't feel the, the effect of that because I think, you know, being saturated with magnesium whatever vitamin D I was getting from my little bit in my morning walk or in my diet, my magnesium was, was activating it. And of course I do take vitamin D now, you know, if you have a measure, you might as well make use of it. So there are these basic building blocks that, that you can take and not have to go off and do um, medicinal supplementation, I guess I would yeah. say. No, I, I appreciate your approach. I, I think I'm a bit on the extreme side. I would admit that. And and also, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of a guinea pig because I, I share so much information with, you know, tens of thousands of people every week on this show. So I kind of like to try things to see what happens. And sometimes I think I'm willing to take the hit so I can share with someone like, hey, this thing works, it doesn't work it was a waste of money, it had side effects or whatever. Um, but but I, I definitely see your point with a balanced approach. And and that's you know really why, again, I wanted to bring up the minerals because I think even for me, this is something that just intuitively, I know that this is something that's so simple and straightforward and could solve so many underlying issues. Like maybe the reason I took my NA, put my NAD patch on today and slept like crap last night was because I didn't have enough magnesium, right? So it's like yeah. robbing from Peter to pay Paul. So today I put this mega dose of, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, derma delivery NAD, and I could have maybe solved it by just having enough magnesium. So yeah, I, I think right. you're, you know, you're yeah. onto something there. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. But I'm, I mean, I've been experimenting my whole life too. So I think we're all kind of adventure, adventurous in that way. But I think the people that I attract are they they're in um total body meltdown. They've been there, done that. They just they just want to actually in two thousand and eight I was doing an online um kind of wellness program where people subscribe to these weekly newsletters and I told them everything. I had a hundred and eight you know, what to do with your Wi-Fi, what to do, backward walking. I mean, you know it all. Yeah. And at a certain point, I think it was 2008 when when the economy crashed the last time and people started to say to me, I just don't have time to read. I can't, I can't follow all these possible steps. I, you just tell me what to take. So they went to a supplement mentality and as we're, I don't think we, I've finished any question you've asked me, but when we, when you were asking about <laughs> the good. supplements, yeah, they became commercial. The, um, natural calm that I used to consult for them on magnesium at the Expo East and Expo West, when they finally decided to sell the company, they sold it to 
to one company that looked like they were into natural supplements, who sold it to another company that was a little sketchy, who sold it to Clorox. Wow. Clorox now owns Natural Calm. Wow. So what are they using? You know, because yeah. if you're um if you're uh, traded on whatever Wall Street, you're you have to use the cheapest products to sell the most um you know, to make the most money for your shareholders. It's the law. Yeah. So all, all these companies now are are being bought up by you know, Nestle and you just look, you can look, look at any of the supplements that you used to use 20 years ago. They've all been bought out. Well, it's funny you bring up natural calm. I forgot about that stuff. Um, talk about uh, disaster pants, laxative effect, whatever magnesium they're putting <laughs> there. It also feels like it's, it's eating the enamel off your teeth. Like I, I would never use that stuff. It's so acidic. It's just horrible. Yeah. So God bless anyone <laughs> that can still stand natural calm. I would, I'm going to try your remag. Uh, it sounds like it's very effective and um, I will avoid the natural calm because it doesn't, it doesn't feel very natural. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it feels like battery acid in your mouth. Um, so I want to remind people again, if they want to check out your stuff, I'm definitely going to lukestory.com slash RNA reset. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Your code's Luke for 10% off. Uh, before we go, and as I said, you're not like a big self-promoter, which I respect, but other than, you know, I know you have a few different things. If, if say for me or anyone listening wants to try, you know, the Remite, the multi-mineral, the Remag, what's your other like flagship that you'd recommend just as a foundational, uh, thing to try? That would be realign. That's our taking out the garbage. It's okay. the food-based and methylated B vitamins. Oh, cool. And low potency. So they're food-based and methylated. So they go down really nicely. And what I did is I put in the L-taurine and L-methionine as well. Taurine for the heart and collagen and a number of things. And methionine as a precursor to glutathione. So you get your, your, you know, antioxidant glutathione. I know ceruloplasm is a huge antioxidant and you get that from taking bioavailable copper, which is in my remite. But the, the real line is awesome. I mean, it's a type of thing that, and I'm not suggesting this folks, but if you drink three or four drinks and take two or three real line, you don't build up, um, uh, blood health, alcohol levels. It helps detoxify very quickly. Cool. Good to know. So that, yeah. Good to know. For, yeah. That for the boozers yeah. listening. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the experiment that we've done to prove how awesome it is. That's cool. And you know what I I mentioned? You know, there's a vitamin D three with K two. There's an omega three algae. I don't use fish oil because. In order to get rid of all the mercury and all the toxicity in fish oils, they have to process it so much that I think it, it makes it, you know, it doesn't make it natural anymore, let's just say that. And also, I live in Maui where the whales come down from Alaska. They feed on krill and then come down here to give birth. And if we use all their krill for our silly omega-3 uh, supplements, then we're starving the whales. <laughs> so 
with an omega-3 algae, you get the precursors. What, what do the fish eat in order to make their omega-3s? They eat algae. So we use an algae. And, and in the omega-3, I put vitamin A, retinol, and vitamin E. Nice. So I have all this nice, nice little fat bundle, and they all help help the absorption of each other. And that, and you know, a pico silver and a, a zinc plus copper. I got into those things um, around the time of the non-demic, and also, of course, a, a food-based vitamin C and an ascorbic acid vitamin C powder. Awesome. So it's it's like nine of the basics, but you know what you do instead of your patches is you could rub in some re- remag lotion or remag balm. Oh, cool! And that would cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's like transdermal magnesium. Oh yeah, I mean for the children, you know, for infants, it's awesome. Cool. And the thing about taking your minerals, you know, we we get used to you know lining up our pills and we. Some some people say, oh, I want to swallow it all at once. What I tell people to do, you have to stay hydrated. So you um, you take your body weight in pounds, divide that in half, drink that many ounces of water a day. In each liter of that water, you put a quarter teaspoon of a good, you know, dark sea salt. It has to have some color to it. If it's a white sea salt, then it's been processed. So a quarter teaspoon of sea salt in a liter of water and into one of your jars or, or glasses of water, you put, uh, you put your minerals and you sip that. You sip it through the day because if you take nutrients, you know, pell-mell, they're going to flood over your cells and be excreted. It's just like a big waste. So uh, you I take like your that. nutrients throughout the day. And being um, liquid minerals, all my minerals are liquid, so it's easy. I mean, seriously, Luke, we have people who are so sensitive that we tell them, well, just stop, start with a few drops of this or that. Just start with a few drops, and it, it calms people down because they're so used to you know, like these supplements attacking them. Because if you're very toxic and very weak and you're on the edge, if you start taking a nutrient that starts revving up your metabolism, it could make, it could put you over the edge. And even though it may be a good thing, it's misinterpreted because they feel so bad. No, that's a really good point. I have a friend that has, I don't know, probably multiple co-infections, Lyme, Epstein-Barr, et cetera, and um, older person. And you know, I'll find out about something like copper or this or that. Oh, you got to take this. And she's like, I, ca- I can't take supplements because I, I have like histamine reactions and all kinds of crazy stuff. Like the things right. that I feel would be good. She's usually already tried them and has some sort of reaction. It's really frustrating because you're like, ah, God, what do you do then? So that, that makes a lot of sense. Actually, it's kind of like microdosing your, yeah, you know, yeah. microdosing your minerals in a, in a, in a more uh, measured way rather than just overloading your system and getting some kind of reaction. 10 drops of Remag, take that once a day for a week, then do two drops of the Remite and take that together with the 10 drops of, and just slowly do your experiment. And there's, we have all the time in the world. So there's no reason to think you have to go up to a teaspoon a day. I had to take four teaspoons a day to get rid of my uh, 
my symptoms. And now I only, if I take a teaspoon and a half, I get the laxative effect because I'm, I'm um, saturated. So minerals that work are, they're not like drugs where you have to keep taking more and more. I mean, my um, experience with minerals was, you know, we were telling our patients to take, to take um, oral. If that wasn't working, we were giving them, well, I never went to IM. I was doing IV vitamins and minerals on people. And that's because the pills weren't absorbing. We have people now who are, they have uh, genetic problems with their magnesium absorption. So they're dependent on um, IV magnesium. You know, they have a permanent port in their their neck or their arm and they can they've switched off to daily sipping their magnesium and they don't need the iv magnesium anymore amazing awesome that's super cool well thank you uh before we go i got one more question for you and i'm i'm curious to hear your answer uh because you know a lot of people and you you've been uh been on the scene for a while who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life and your work that you'd like to share with us? Three heavy hitters that have really inspired you. Yeah. So that would be William Crook, the, the East. Um, he wrote uh, The East Connection, Dr. William Crook. And um, Jeffrey Bland, he really got us going back in the day. And uh, hmm, number three. You know, I might say Morley, I might say Morley for his continuing research. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think what he's doing is good enough because he could be using um, picometer minerals. I think his people and well, I know because I get his rejects, (laughs) (laughs) you know, seriously, there are people who cannot keep giving blood to get rid of their iron it is some people are not supposed to be doing that so anyway hopefully and anyway so i'd say i appreciate morley's output i don't think he looks very healthy i must say that i don't know why you know i'd like to help him <laughs> i i appreciate what he's doing because he's he's just a monster about keep not even just keeping up with the literature, but reading the, the ancient history that everybody has forgotten. It's almost like in, um, in our world, if it's um, 10, 15 years old, uh, you know, you can't go, go back further than that. And that's just horrible. I found that out when I was updating my magnesium book that, you know, they didn't want references back in the 80s. Yeah, Morley so, is yes. Morley, Morley's like a, a biblical scholar of of health literature. Um, <laughs> you know, he really is a wealth a wealth of information. And, yeah, uh, yeah, but, yeah. Davening with his uh, yarmulke on. I yeah, know. yeah, absolutely. Quite, quite the, yeah, quite the. Well, case. thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you mentioned you know people come to you. Are you are you still working with uh, clients at all at this point? Oh no no oh, okay. no okay okay. No, it's just like um, I have this incredible customer service. We do not do anything medical. The FDA, you know, is coming after supplement companies. You know, they send out 
I think, 750 letters to 750 companies that are selling supplements and said, you have to cease and desist your uh, testimonials or making any claims. We did not get a letter because we, you know, we saw the writing on the wall. I mean, I've been watching this since uh, Codex Elementaris. I was over in uh, Europe at, at the Rome meetings and where else? In Germany somewhere we had <clears throat> meetings where they were trying to create this worldwide suppression of supplements through the WHO and the World Trade Organization. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. They're, they like to monopolize. <laughs> uh, well, great work. Great to meet you finally after all these years. I really appreciate your time and uh, I look forward to trying out your stuff and staying in touch. Thank you so much, Luke. Wonderful to meet you. I appreciate it. You too. Talk Aloha. To you. Aloha to you.